Welcome one and all to another episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake. I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski, and I have no witty intros today. Here, as always, with my fellow co-host... Dan Ryan. Mm. Um, and in my, my scientific endeavors, um, uh, I uncovered... Uh, the mother of all synchronicities, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a, a spooky coincidence that just piles up. Mm. Uh, perhaps a sign from the anime gods that we are we are on the right track. Um, today we are recording episode one fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is February sixth. That means it's the birthday of Mewtwo. Oh, yeah. and it's my mom's birthday. Yeah, they yeah. do share a birthday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it all it all piles up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then the, the the fates have convened that we are uh, recording this one. We are, mm-hmm. um, but uh, maybe maybe we'll have a, a surprise related to that <laughs> later on uh, for or, or for next week. Yes, um, but uh, I mean, this does yeah. go up a week late. We are ahead, but as of recording this, yes, yes it does yes. work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have to reveal our hand with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we wouldn't have it any other way that your mm-hmm. your savior was born on this day. Yes. <laughs> without him, there might not be a Pokemon franchise for you to have that doctorate in, but yeah. It's also the Platinum Jubilee <laughs> for our friends across the pond. Whatever that means. Oh yeah, the queen. Yeah. She's, Where she's, she appointed Camilla. She's like, eh, I'll give it to her. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you could just do that, but sure. She emerged from her cocoon. Yeah. So. Snubbed again, I see. <laughs> yeah. I could have been made queen of that country. <laughs> well, we're here on Anime Was Not a Mistake. Of course, we're continuing our two epics going toe-to-toe. Last week, we had some Demon Slayer. This week, we're getting into part two of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, we will have a recap, of course, before we begin. But, Dan, any anime life-adjacent updates for our fans this week? Um, I do have a few. I have uh, to look up mine, so please speak. Um, the first one was that last night, uh, Shenmue the Animation premiered. Oh. Uh, first episode, very, very faithful to the game. Um, people all day have been tweeting, like, scene comparisons where, uh, it's kind of recreated shot for shot and the dialogue is conveyed, uh, which is nice to see. It's, it's nice to see a lot of Shenmue fans, um, have something to be happy about, uh, and, uh, mm. it looks like, you know, it, it was, it was well animated, it's, um... Is it funny? Is it... It seems like they added, like, a little bit of, like, humor okay. to it in some spots, um, the, like, the, the ending credits have, like, the, uh, forklift motif, because that was a meme centered around the first game, was that you spend a lot of time driving a forklift around, mm-hmm. because... Uh, Rio and his quest to get information from the local swarthy sailors, um, like, has to just be undercover as a forklift operator okay. for, like, three hours of gameplay, yeah, well, so yeah. it, uh, it, it was, um, yeah, so that was, you know, I, so I, I, there's a little touch of humor in there, but, mm. the, you know, even the, the series creator kind of came out and, you know, voiced his support of it. Mm. So, uh, and he's like, oh, this might be an easier way for people to digest the Shenmue story. Um, and it looks like there's going shot for shot to, to recreate the stories that the games have had so far. Um, so Dan keeps on winning again. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to say winning as usual, but, yeah. uh, yeah. You know, losing is the new winning, Dan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, our, that's our mantra for 2022, yes. so... Uh, well, um, one of the things that I said I would get back to you last week is that one YouTuber with, like, the cottagecore cute... YouTube mm-hmm. videos. It goes by the channel goes by the name of No Ralities N O R A L I T I S I E S. Check it out. I think she's a really interesting commentator on YouTube. Just you know, kitschy, laid back, 
videos about anime series that you might enjoy if you're looking for, um, you know, some comfy times. Of course. On the couch. And then something that I neglected to bring up last week, I actually saw an animated film from 1995 that I think I should definitely bring onto this podcast mm-hmm. at some point. Um, it's known as Memories, and pardon me as I read from the Wikipedia article because a lot of people are responsible for this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memories, also Otomo Kachiro's Memories, is a 1995 Japanese animated science fiction anthology film with Katushiro Otomo as executive producer and is based on three of his manga short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we should have brought this off in our Kone versus Hosada thing because the first short, by the name of Magnetic Rose, um, is uh, written by Satoshi Kon. Okay. And, Dan, I think this is, like, the best piece of anime you would ever see in your life. <laughs> like, it's right up your alley. I don't want to spoil anything. It's set in a sci-fi location, mm-hmm. and there's some spooks in space. Mm-hmm. There's some space ghosts. And that's all I'll leave it at, because I'm thoroughly convinced either you'll see it before, or I'll bring this on. Okay. Because it was just that powerful. Um, of course, as I said, this is in three different shorts, and each short has something Dan would love. Okay. The first one has sci-fi. The second one, um, by Studio 4 Degrees Celsius, uh, Koji Morimoto, and... Oh, sorry, I'm reading the, that again. Uh, the second one, entitled Stink Bomb, is by Tensai Okamura, and uh, it's about... Someone uh, messes with some chemicals they shouldn't and becomes kind of a stink bomb in itself and kills off some of the population of Japan indirectly. Mm-hmm. Um, another sci-fi story that I think you'd be really into. And then the third one is just called Cannon Fodder, which is written and directed by Otomo himself. And this is like the kitschy animated... Uh, it's like childlike drawings... But mm-hmm. it's about a society that lives on a giant cannon and fire shells for their their livelihood. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, in the premise alone, these are things that you should enjoy, Dan. Yeah, so no, no, I, it, I, it, sounds, it sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, it was brought to my attention because Twitter said that um, someone put it up on YouTube and, like, they were allowing streaming for free. Mm-hmm. Um, they took it down, but it's still free stream. It's still able to be streamed free online elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um so just get a little crafty with it, but I think it's a good one hour, 40 minutes of shorts. And like I said, that first short, it's indescribable. You need to see to believe, Dan. Mm, well, that's, yeah. a, that's an awfully big check to, to write, yeah. but I'll, I'll see if it, if it clears. I can't so. believe it slipped my mind last week, but yes, uh, check out Memories. Of course. Especially Magnetic Rose, which happens to be my favorite. But I could see how you would, and others would enjoy each of the other segments. Mm-hmm. It felt very Jonathan Grant Dan. Yeah, well, as all the best things are. Yeah. It, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And I think if you watch that, you would understand that a bit more. But yes, that is um, all I did this week, aside from watching more of uh, The Legend of Vox Machina, uh-huh. where it's three episodes per every Friday, but, you know, Amazon's getting expensive, so Mama had to get rid of that real mm-hmm. quick now that Jeff Bezos is hiking that up even more uh, for Prime. Yeah. So I'm going to try and squeeze it in, and if not, I'll find another means to watch it. But it's consistently good. Yeah. We're in the uh, first season's vampire-ish storyline, which is really good. Matt Mercer stand out as, like, all the side characters, and every major character is voiced by, as I said, their actor on the Critical Role uh, D&D show, mm-hmm. and they're doing a great job. It, it gets yeah. all the praise. I mean, for the, for the D&D premise alone in world like i i need to watch it yes. but i'm probably also going to dump amazon prime soon so one of us has to keep it <laughs> uh, like i'll try to i'll try to give that a viewing before i i do anything like that mm-hmm. um and that's yeah. it my tank is empty um well i got a i got a pretty uh, uh big one mm. um this 
past week, uh, when we were recording this, um, the episode of The Book of Boba Fett that aired, mm-hmm. um, the the past two episodes... Mark Zero Jr. told me all about it. Uh, for, for the... Well, I'm sure I don't know what his take was, um, <laughs> but the past two weeks have kind of... Uh, if, if the series started off a little meh, um, you know, these past two weeks, uh, The Mandalorian has come back, and, uh, you know... Uh, with Pedro Pascal's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear that they're trying to make it seem like that. Like, yeah. you know, more Mandalorian-ish. Because that's yeah. where the money is. And that's where, you know, the critical darling is, too. Well, at the very least, it's like these episodes with him are filling in what he needs to start doing for his next season. Mm. Um, and I would assume that based on what happened in this episode, that the next episode will be back into Boba Fett territory. Because okay. uh, it's it's setting up some... You know, old west gang war stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, did Amy Sedaris show up again? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's no. what, I saw it on Twitter. And I was like, oh, all right. That was last week. Okay. She she gets a whole like I I would say like most of the episode is with her because she gives the Mando a new uh, starfighter. Mm. Um, but this, uh, you know, uh, spoilers abound. I, so I, if you yeah. if if anyone's listening and you, I haven't turned you <laughs> off Star Wars, then just dash ahead by like five minutes or something um but uh this past week's episode they had uh, mark hamill back as luke skywalker mm-hmm. and i think you know for the last time that they did that for the mando season finale for season two uh it was it was rough ish it was it was an amazing scene in my opinion but it, like when you saw Mark's face and everything. He the, looked old. Yeah, the the deep fake hadn't like been <laughs> perfected. Perfected. Um, <laughs> it had stuck. But apparently, in the time that that has been uh, taken, um, they they actually hired like a, a fan VX v, VFX artist mm-hmm. who had cleaned up the the Mark Hamill deep fake. Okay. Um, and they brought him on. And Luke gets to be an actual character in wow. this show. It is. It was astonishing. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, he's interacting with like Rosario Dawson's character, and it's seamless. So they they have, um, like there the, there was some there was like a documentary posted on Disney Plus that talked about how they did it for season two, um, you know, because it was just a, it was a general production thing for that entire season, and then it built up to the finale. Um, and when they got to that point, you know, the whole, as as frightening as it is, and as the societal implications that it has, um, would entail, like, it was, it was a, a VXF artist who was sitting in a room and had to find every possible angle of Mark Hamill's face mm-hmm. from every single lighting thing, mm-hmm. and, you know, so that it would basically compile all into, like, this AI database that maps it onto the stand-in actor's face. Um, so, that you know, that's where they were last year when that episode aired, and then f- for the improvement that they've shown in, amount, like, in this amount of... Like, I would say that it's... It, it's theoretically possible to do this with, like, any, you know, Star Wars character or, you know, past character now with the right amount of money put into it. Um, but it was just something to see. It was just, it was a very, uh, it was a very weeb 
setup episode yeah. because Luke is training Grogu on this bamboo, you know, Grogu like on the bamboo samurai planet <laughs> where you know Luke is practicing his sword form in this bamboo grove, and they're meditating, like looking over this forest and constructing like a little stone temple. And it, it was it was just it was pretty cool to see. I mean, I, I'm a fan of those tropes, but uh, it was it was something. And then they and all, like also in terms of visual effects, they they introduced a character um, from the Clone Wars who was a fan favorite named Cad Bane. And Cad Bane, Cadbury, yes, <laughs> Cadbury, um, an egg, an egg cream, and he. <laughs> is a, like, you know, Western outlaw-themed bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. uh, and he shows up at the end of this episode in a very, like... Like, the, the title of this episode was literally Stranger Comes Out of the Desert, and, it, you know, it's this Old West... You see a silhouette on the horizon of him just, like, with the spurs going, just, like, stepping into the town. And Cad Bane is a, like, blue alien with red eyes and no nose and like a fanged mouth kind mm -hmm. of but they blended cgi and practical effects in such a way that it, it does not look stupid anymore mm -hmm. like if you like if you think that if like if this was done during the prequel era it would have been all cgi it would have been all cgi and if this was done during the all you know the ot era a jim henson puppet it would have been yeah mm -hmm. but um as a movie fan, as a whatever fan in general, I love that we've kind of hit this point where you can combine those two into something that does not look goofy. Yeah. Uh, that that makes me really happy because that opens the door to a lot of characters being able to come into the fold, not just in Star Wars, but in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know that that you know they can they can be achieved without having to either be like the rubber latex face mask. Yeah. Or completely like Ian McKellen interacting with a a, a green doll. <laughs> so, like, well, okay, it's, yeah. yeah it, it's I I like that the balance that's being achieved. It's good here. to know that they're learning from cats. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's all we can hope for. That was the paradigm shift, not only for for uh, society, it seems, the but the world. You know. Yeah, that really started us on the downward trend. I'm it convinced. did. Yeah, it quite literally did. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. got to blame something, Dan. Yes. All right. Well, that's all I got. You got anything well, else? Um, probably get into if you want to get into tangent territory. Oh, well, we've got to um, let me tell you, audience. Dan and I have been working on a tangent because inspiration, the muse descended this week and struck us both. That she did. Um, we're making Pokemon games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we we got uh, we've been as we announced a couple weeks ago. We've been cooking up Pokemon Topaz and Lapis, which is just a a little uh. Uh, advertising gimmick for our podcast mm -hmm. wherein we're you know jonathan is going to feed me ideas <laughs> and, feed me. and then i will produce uh pokemon based on those prompts yes um and uh, you know uh, i already unveiled the two box legendaries um i forget bird's name but mothacy mothman and thunderbird uh, they were unveiled those are not their final designs uh, we got, like, a few more things to refine with everyone, because mm -hmm. they are not the only members of their troop, I guess we would say. Mm. Um, but this past week, we uh, we were talking, 
we started, because uh, as we said, the region comprises the southwestern United States and then goes into the upper half of South America. Yeah. You made a beautiful map, you did. I, I, I tried. Yeah. It was You didn't lie. You said you like making maps. And I said, this looks official. Where to go, Dan? Yo, thank you. A thank gold you. star. A gold noodle star for Dan. Uh, I do love making maps. I don't have an excuse to a lot, but I, I do love making maps. But we, we were talking about, like... You know, since New Orleans is going to be in there, the the creative fountain started flowing, and we 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 made a lot. Yeah, we, we, we got, I think yeah. we settled on everything but like one gym leader's design, mm -hmm. and like a lot of things that could be switched around if the need presents. But I yes. think we have a strong basis that like ties in our themes of past versus present, yes. youth versus older culture. I, I like that, and I'm like, oh well. Maybe making a Pokemon game isn't so hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, at the very least, this will provide us some... Uh, I think this will provide us content for the ages. Oh, yeah. Because, at least eight tangents out of this. Uh, because... <laughs> we can well, break it down gym by gym. Be yeah, because... Because even, gyms are staying. Yes. Now we're going back to gyms. Uh, but, um... And, and I love the what we've what we've uh, formulated so far. Mm -hmm. I love our idea for the Elite Four. I love our idea for the Champion. Mm -hmm. um, our region looks... Um, like our theme too, you said an hourglass-ish shape, mm -hmm. and we've kind of stuck to that, which I enjoyed. We've, you know, I I, I swung everything by Jonathan first, yeah. but we've managed to, you know, our map packs in a yeah, lot of real Nothing got the estate. red pen yet. <laughs> a it, few minor details. Yeah, it, and it, it's got a lot of real estate for us to play with and, and you know, stick stuff on there. Like, all of the gyms that we've made up so far are kind of like, they very much embody the, the places... You know that they're based on. Well, we can uh, give them a tease. Why don't we give them the first gym? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't we talk about that? Well, so, that uh, mm -hmm. her in the second one is what I wanted to talk oh, about. Okay, good, yeah, good. Yeah. So uh, the first one we wanted inspiration. We were talking about how the professor's down on his luck, doesn't really believe in things. You do some good deeds around town, and he gives you your first po first Pokemon. Yes. And then is like, well, if you really want to help take out this uh, family that has taken the throat of this town mm -hmm. and kind of corrupted it and themselves in the same way. I said I wanted like a, um, I believe it's, I'm trying to think of the first one, the Dollars trilogy. I think it's for A Fistful of Dollars is mm -hmm. the first one. There's like this family that has an iron grip on this old Midwestern town. Yes. And I thought this would be good. And then Dan threw the word debutante and I was sold. Mm -hmm. I said, I want an evil debutante that's, you know, she's kind of young, but the matriarch of this family at the same yeah. way, a small brat. And you said her type should be... Uh, a dark. Yeah, yeah dark. Yeah. And uh, you designed a few Pokemon to go along with them. Yeah, because uh, this was this was one of those... Again, we... Um, this was just one of those things, and this is why like creative projects like this are very fun once the ball gets rolling, because uh, I was looking at that map. I was looking at, like, uh, you know, I was going over Google Maps to <laughs> see if, okay, is there, like, a landmark that I can base stuff off of? And near... The area where we put the starting ranch uh, is a like salt, like a literal salt lake. Like mm -hmm. it's not, it's not potable water. It's yeah. just because of where it is. It's like a lake that can't be, you know, it's used as a lake. Yes. So we figured, uh, taking inspiration from holes, um, <laughs> this you know old money family will have polluted this lake mm -hmm. and ruined it. Um, and in order to get the dark type debutante back to the gym you have to go to their mansion uh she has like guards and family members 
wielding Puchianas and stuff mm-hmm. to try to Puchiana you know, purloins. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like all the like a lot of early game dark type ones to kind of act as her like in place of her gym trainers, mm-hmm. and then once you prove your medal there, she will go back to the gym for her challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, for her, uh, to be unveiled soon, uh, we have a, a dark-type Bidoof mm. and a dark-poison Bibarel. Yeah, it's their time to shine, who, which uh, I really enjoy. We made to look like street toughs. Yeah, and Dan, the design makes sense with the teeth. When he explained it, I said, this is great. Yeah. Dan really thought it through. I, I tried, yeah. yeah. Got a little a little step of approval from me there. Yeah. Um, I also like it because a lot of people shout for like a dark-type gym early, mm-hmm. and I think with our typings of the gym, we did a really good job. Yes. Like... These are typings that you wouldn't see at this placement in the game, or at all in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have a very eclectic mix of gems. Yeah. Like we, and they fell naturally. You very, know, very interesting. And it kind of, in a trope sense, it, it, it works out because once you get to where our uh, Pokemon League is, the Elite Four and the Champion are very much like the showstoppers. Like mm-hmm. they are all the main... Types. Uh, main Elemental types, types, yeah. The bright ones, mm-hmm. like the big center stage ones, and that, you know, it, it kind of gives... It, it helps with the build-up, I mm-hmm. think, um, while still letting us focus on some, like, weirder typings that don't get a lot of attention. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, so... Uh, After the gym, you go down that mid-route where you said there's a, a monument, and we can get into, like, our... I don't know if we wanted to make them the parental figures. I kind of thought it would be a unique twist if, like, your mom or dad was a oh. rival-ish type. Well, yeah. on that, because there's a few things. Okay. Um, that monument tower is in between Houston and Dallas. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, that's, never that, mind. I was, I, I, I didn't I meant the oil, the, the oil rig. Yeah, yeah, the oil rig is also yeah. um, after Dallas, but mm. I figured we could make it lore-wise that because it is close to the ranch, like, your parent was... Doing their own thing, but they were keeping you just mm-hmm. out, out of reach, of, yeah. out of you know, yeah. like yeah. You know, out of like, sight, out of mind. It's very there will be blood, which is what I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I figured like the uh, uh, like the the equivalent to Odessa, where that oil field is, mm-hmm. will be like a like that walled off city in Sun and Moon, where it's like mm. you know local law enforcement doesn't tend to to go here like it's kind of been quarantined yeah because uh, the you know the oil plant doesn't run anymore so it's like they've kind of just taken it over the mm-hmm. ruffians so we can we can play with that but yeah. i the thing with the the thing with the monument tower was that um because we we have our our old school bandits mm-hmm. versus like the new school sci-fi cops cyberpunk yeah. texas rangers yeah and uh, the idea I had was that because Houston and Dallas has a very small route between it, um, there will be like a monument for some disaster mm-hmm. that, depending on the version you're playing, either the bird <laughs> or the moth tr- yeah. tried, like one of them tried to warn the people about it, but the people didn't listen mm-hmm. or they blame that Pokemon yeah. for it. And, you know, you meet the cyberpunk sheriff mm-hmm. who's like, I cannot let this happen again. And he gives like a, you know, his villain speech and then goes yeah. back down into the, you mm-hmm. know. And our theme is like natural resources too. Mm-hmm. Like, are we using them for the right reasons? Should we conserve them? Are there other um, technological means to provide that energy? And I yes. thought that would be a good standoff between these one or two teams, depending on where we settle, yeah. you know? 
And it shows with our map so far. Yes. Because yes. Uh, this, like, the, the second non-gym town is like an abandoned, is a former mine. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we also have the Hoover Dam in there mm -hmm. for electro, hydroelectric power. And there's a few other things besides the oil fields that play into that, mm, I think. That'd be good. Um, but uh, obviously, the gym that we spent the most time on over the over the past week was the ghost one in yes. New Orleans. But yeah. I think uh, today, yes. with the Dark Tide deb debutante mostly done, just waiting to be designed, um, we should maybe, uh, without going too hard into it, maybe think of a signature mon for mm -hmm. the Steel-type well, gym leader. Oh, okay, Steel-type, yeah. 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 Um, that, more your expertise, but... Uh, I mean, we did have the... Uh, the... Um, the weather vane steel type, mm -hmm. which could take many forms. One of them could be a train. Um, I think of, you know, just wheels in general, mm -hmm. <laughs> like train wheels. Well, uh, one of the designs you gave me was a uh, a ghost a wagon wheel. Yes. So we should probably save that yeah, for that. Wagon wheel Watusi. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, um, if you... Maybe it's someone who lays the railroads, like the beams, like a, a girder timber situation. That could be good. Mm. Um, it could be a, it could be the thing where, the wagon gets like the water refueled. Like you know what those old things are? The thing you would pull the string. Oh, the uh, yeah, like a water tower. Yeah, um, could be something like that. I mean, it could just be like coal or something. <laughs> I mean, we do have your favorite coal minecart, Pokey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, now do we want to emphasize like? I know we have a lot of regional forms already, so this should be a new Pokemon, right? That's what I was okay. thinking. That's what yes. I was thinking for that, the... I uh, feel that... For, yeah. Because uh, second, you know, train engineer guy is a steel-type trainer. Mm -hmm. um, your your battle with him takes place on the train, uh, you know, from Albuquerque to New Orleans. Maybe it um, could be like a miniature train car. I could certainly do that. Yeah. yeah. I give you your Thomas Tank engine... <laughs> <laughs> scrap for the day <laughs> i could i could certainly do that that is that is very plausible yeah. if you it could be to. a toy train maybe yeah yeah i mean we could we could reference like lionel trains or something i, I could know try, you'd I, love them yeah i could try to think of something to that the degree. hess truck is back and it's better than ever um <laughs> but you i have your approval to make a steel type oh, train yes much. yes I, I was yeah. thinking like and even if we don't with, like, the um, New Orleans trainer, I know you have a signature for that trainer. Mm -hmm. I remember I suggested, like, we do, like, a, a New Orleans-style funeral umbrella, too, that might work yeah. in that vein. Well, she you. can have that, too. Yeah. yeah it just yeah. depends on what you want her signature, if you want her signature to be the, yeah, the, the one that we talked about. I think both work. Um, this is something we could talk about in time, but I guess we will focus on finding... Uh, their types now or finding like the pokemon that would be their signature next yeah. so i think for train yes it should be a new one yeah all right so because because that way it'll be regional form new one then regional form mm -hmm. uh because uh you know if if because uh, i i i designed um it, well, but we i does we designed multiple ghosts yes. yes so um i think the ghost electric one should go to Elite Four mm -hmm. uh, card counter lady because yes. it fits her perfectly. Yes, um, but perhaps Ghost Gym Leader in her menagerie could have just the base form of it, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, you know with a few other ones. Yeah, um, 
Makes sense. Because there's no limit. There's no there's no limit on how many old ones, how many new ones, mm-hmm. you know. We could it could be a, a very potentially good mix make, here. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, I will I will get to work on on Steel Guy. Yes. Um I don't know. I just think of like shovel and coal. That's mm-hmm. what I think of with a, a nice train. Mm-hmm. And that's also another energy. But we do have the coal thing. Yeah. I forget that thing, that abomination name, in my opinion. But yes. Colossal, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean the only the only thing is is that we will we will have a rock gym leader. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for this guy we have to lean more into steel, steel to to prevent them from uh you know, it could be uh, an Anna Karenina, uh, the, the the hammer striking the steel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where I go. Yeah. Yeah, it could <laughs> the be sound a, of death. Like, it could be. Uh, it could be, it could be a hammer and just a piece of steel with eyes. Yeah, I think that would work. <laughs> yeah, but it could be the paperclip from Word. We could literally make something referencing that. We could make like a Rotom form that references that. Yeah, um, but it it. it uh, yeah, and and this is this is all you know, and the reason that we can kind of take this slowly is because you still you provided me a list of all of these prompts. Mm-hmm. I have not gotten to these prompts because I have been obsessing over <laughs> the starters yes. like my Amadeus yeah. uh, death project. Yes. But they are coming along. They will be done very mm-hmm. soon. Buffalo will be the first one who gets unveiled. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other regional forms that I've made just need to be touched up and mm-hmm. then. Shipped off. They can yeah, they to can the internet. Be out. So you know we have the time to kind of like yeah take this slowly and you build know, upon it. But yeah. so far we've got a good basis. Yes. and I think going forward we have a good ending point as yes. well, like a reachable end- ending point. I do enjoy taking time with it too because it feels like you know some game companies don't do that anymore. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's a good creative exercise. Yeah. I think it, it, it helps it uh, because. A lot of the stuff that I, like, the art that I usually make, like, with the D&D stuff, is, uh, you know, I, I love doing it, um, but it, it kind of limits me to the D&D aesthetic. Yeah. Like, they have to be kind of medieval looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, getting the chance to do something like this, I can I can do modern fashion trends, I can do cyberpunk shit, yeah, I can do all can of the... your little heart. I can do all of the tropes that I want to with you doing the hard part. Of... Supervising, it's what I'm best at. Well, not, well, no, don't undersell it because you give me the ideas and the basis and that's the part that I hate doing mm. so I can just focus on the designs. Mm. So that's, you know, that's yeah. what I enjoy. So. I mean, if Wordle was sold to the New York Times for a seven figures, Game Freak can toss a coin to the both of us and we can I, retire to Cabo. I can say I never even, I never even looked at Wordle. Oh, I had damn, no idea you're missing out. Sweetie, no it's the new game sweeping the nation, soon to be corrupted by the New York Times. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yes. I, I oh, saw it taking the world by storm. Gabe and, and I it... had a heart attack. We're like, well, there goes the fun. I said, why can't they? I mean, if you made an app and sold it for seven figures, that's great. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would do the same thing. I'd do it for four. <laughs> i do it for less. i do it for a hamburger or something. Uh, but, hamburger today, but yeah. yeah so. But, uh... Yeah, it's just, I'm ready for that fun to get sucked up behind a paywall, <laughs> even though they're like, we won't do it. I said, really? You're not? Well, I'm we sure won't necessarily will. do yeah, it. Yeah. 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 It'll, yeah. Be, it'll be paid content. I've been lied to before, <laughs> and I'll be lied to again. Yeah, but good tangent, good yeah, tangent. Yeah. Um, shall we get into today's business? Uh, yes. All right. Well, as you know, we started Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. We're on part one. Subsection two. Yes. Now, overarching uh, the whole series is in six parts, I believe. 
but I'm doing a good job condensing. I think we have this part and then one episode for the next part for all of part one. Mm-hmm. And then it picks up. I, I've been doing a pretty good job at it. But uh, to recap what we watched last, uh, Ed and Al as Fullmetal Alchemist and brothers lost their body parts and Al's soul when they tried to use alchemy to bring their dead mom back. They are hunting down a Philosopher's Stone, a tool that will give them unlimited alchemy potential. Yes. Uh, and Ishvalin, by the name of Scar, is trying to kill the state, state alchemists for revenge for the genocide of his people. And another group, named after the Seven Deadly Sins, are planning and pulling the strings to a nefarious plan behind the scenes. Yes. So we don't know exactly what they're up to yet. Ed and Al are on their way home to their childhood friend slash mechanic Winry after being roughed up in a fight with Scar. It's a very intense fight. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, before we begin today, we do have five episodes on the docket. I couldn't limit it to just four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet you can't just eat one, Dan. No. But uh, any thoughts on what to expect? I know we're going in blind to these series, but it's always nice to touch base at where we're at. <laughs> this is uncharted territory for me mm-hmm. with this. I I don't I know the vague points of what happens, but I have ne- again I've never done a detailed watch of this series, so I I really don't know what to expect. I I'm assuming that we're going to get more. Uh, Scar Ishval lore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to get more context. I would assume of Winry and you know Ed's relationship because I know I th- they they are the de facto couple. I mean, that's uh, what they're hinting at. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be interesting to see that dynamic. Yeah. Um, but I, I truly don't know what to expect. All right. Well, I'll yeah. say that we'll get a little bit more of the brothers' backstory. Um, we will get to know Winry a little bit better in these episodes, and we'll even maybe potentially meet a new Seven Deadly Sin. Okay. Hmm. Very nice. Interesting. Well, then, do you have the ingredients ready, Dan? <laughs> are, are we... Uh, oh, the salt, the... <laughs> salt Peter, yes. Salt no, Peter. I was talking about a Crunchwrap Supreme, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Why, I oughta. Ah, oh, madam. <laughs> But Dan, I want to explore the world on my own. <laughs> We're back to another episode of Anime. It was not a mistake. We just watched Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood Part 1-2. Uh-huh. And what did you think, Dan? Um, I I was enthralled the entire time. I, I, uh... The political intrigue, yeah. magics. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it, and I don't know... I mean, I have to leave this to your own wisdom and familiarity with the series, but I... The, the, the pace leaves nothing to be desired. Like, it's like... It, it... There's always something going on, and it's like... I, I mean, that's... When I like when I was watching something like Hunter Hunter, like that's one thing that let me like 
mainline that show so fast was just that n- nothing like everything is moving the adventure forward kind of um i yeah no i just i like the characters i like you know uh even the if plot development yeah. even if some things are telegraphed and i'm familiar with other things like they they are making you care about these characters you know you're you kind of understand where they scale in terms of like the fights and stuff so you feel the tension you feel danger um yeah i'm 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 thoroughly enjoying it no complaints it was um it's a nice mirror for demon slayer which mm-hmm. i'm seeing for the first time and i feel the same way about mm-hmm. but i mean it's not as long as fulmanal of course yeah in those regards but yeah 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 i get that mm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> good <laughs> um excellent so shall we begin with episode 6 road of hope mm-hmm. because we've got five episodes to get through yes Alright, so Hugh sees Ed and Al off of the train station as they leave to Reasonbool. Major Armstrong is also with the brothers to protect them, and Al is in the steerage with sheep. Yes, because yeah. yeah, they don't want to put they don't want to put him in the regular passenger yeah. car. They thought he would get a lonely, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so there. Uh, at a stop, Armstrong sees and calls out to one Dr. Marco. Marco flips and runs off. Apparently, Marco is a state alchemist who went missing after the Ishvalan Civil War. Uh and uh, they leave the train to pursue him. Now, I have a feeling that this isn't the last we'll see of Marco. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ed's motivation was that he might know about bioalchemy. Yeah. So. Uh, we do get this cute line where Armstrong could really draw, and he's like, well, portraiture has been passed down throughout the family for generations. <laughs> and I really like that. Uh, the town appreciate this new Dr. Morrow, who is not Dr. Mario, <laughs> which I thought... Yeah, he's in deep cover, so... Yeah, uh, who really helps out the townies with their medical problems with alchemy. Uh, Marco is freaking out, uh, Chuck Al at him, so they meet up at this, and Armstrong is like, What are you doing, Dr. Marco? And then throws Al's physical body at him. Well, yeah, because Marco thinks that they're there to, like, silence him. That they're there to either just, like, drag him back or kill him. To court-martial him or to kill him. Either way. But uh, Marco went into hiding after the guilt from the Ishvalan War, uh, taking government secrets uh, with him. Uh, he's trying to atone for his crimes and researching the Philosopher's Stone. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Which we get a big drop. <laughs> and Dan's like, well, this is the cherry goo. <laughs> yeah, the pure cherry extract that John can drink. <laughs> yes. Uh, Marco whips out a liquid that is the Philosopher's Stone. It's kind of in between forms, but it is unlimited alchemy power mm-hmm. at a cost, which we don't know yet. Uh, many forms incomplete, and then the brothers recall that this is just like Father Cornetto's, which we skipped over in the last yeah. episode. But. Which, though was incomplete, was still vastly powerful, so. Yeah. Uh, Ed wants to, oh, sorry, Al wants to, oh, Ed, sorry, <laughs> I always mix them up. Ed needs to access Marco's research in order to, like, confirm his theories, and Marco realizes that these two committed the taboo as well. Yes. Um, maybe you could produce a philosopher's stone, but he, Marco, refuses to share the research to not further corrupt the children. Al and Ed don't want to hurt others to get what they want, and Armstrong doesn't want to report Marco either. Marco changes his mind last minute and gives Ed instruction to get his materials. Or Al. Ed. I, I always mix them up. I don't know why. Yeah, he gives Ed. Yeah, he gives yeah, Ed the instructions. Yeah. Ed the instruction to get his materials. The note says... He leaves them a note simply saying, National Central Library, many books start there, and 
he leaves them the vague theory that the truth is within the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lust pays a visit to Dr. Marco then, where she's like dolled up and she's like, well, Dr. Marco. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to see you again. Uh-oh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what's going on. But I have a feeling, as I said, this isn't the last we see of Dr. Marco. Mm-hmm. So you may think he was off here, but that's not the case. Uh, the boys show up at the Rockbell house with Panaco and Winry. They've grown smaller, according to Panaco. Um, Mini hag is what, you know, they refer to Panaco as. Yeah. <laughs> is that she's such a small old woman. Yeah, she does look like Yubaba. Yes. Uh, Winry is pissed that Ed didn't call. Freaks out at the damage to his arm and automel overall. We get this dog with an automel leg that I haven't caught the name of, but it's cute. Yeah, it's always in the opening there. So. Yeah. Uh, head to Central ASAP. Build the arm from scratch in three days. Uh, Armstrong is also there, and he's, like, giving them their help. So, yeah. like, whatever assistance you need, I'm there for you. And I love when Armstrong joins the group in this series. Yeah. So no, you know, he's, he's, fa- he's a fantastic character, yeah. but he's punching wood. Yeah. So. <laughs> Here's the wood, you demanded punch. Um, Ed visits his mother's grave and Pinaco asks about the boys leading rough lives and reveals that they're like grandsons to me. So mm-hmm. she's reared them since a young age. She's taking care of them. Their father was one of my drinking pals who split on the family without any warning. And um, I've kind of taken care of them yep. since. So face blocked down in photos. What will this <laughs> father figure look like, Dan? Yeah. We'll find out soon, I think. Yeah. Uh, Winry's parents are revealed to have died in the Civil War. They were doctors, a terrible war, but, you know, it got the best of them. And that mm-hmm. backstory will definitely become clear in the next few episodes mm-hmm. of the podcast. Uh, food tastes better when we are together. When everyone eats dinner together, the boy's old house is gone. And Pinaco says that they burned it down before they left, so they had nothing to come back to. Yes. Um, Armstrong... When Ed shows up at Smitten with the boys, like, oh, you made this great sacrifice for your family because you care. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very cute. Uh, they embrace. Ed wakes up that night to find Winry working three nights straight on his automel. Uh, she suggests to stop bothering her and says that it will be done in three days' time. You will have to wait, but the arm will be done. Um, eventually, the arm is done after Ed and Al are kind of conversing with one another, talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking with one another um the hard part is connecting the nerves i put down that i don't think that's how this actually works i don't think you just put a chain mail automail on a, a severed limb i, I don't know it. how the science but uh however yeah. the star wars people do it i think there is a way to <laughs> yeah uh winry advises don't try anything crazy and ed fixes al using the seal within the armor and then they spar Al acts like the older one when Ed is asleep at night and reveals their ages to be 14 and 15. Um, and Al worries about being treated as a human weapon since he is an entire suit of armor. Yeah. Um, part of the Al timeline that's going on throughout these episodes is like questioning his own faith belief existence mm-hmm. throughout all that. Uh, Al thanks them both for everything and assures them that Ed feels the same way. Uh, the boys and Armstrong are off. Pinaco asks the boys to come back once in a while for dinner. Winry waves them off, and then a post-credit scene, we see that Winry finds a missing screw. Ruh-roh. They dropped a screw in the tuna, so yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, so what we missed, we missed a few episodes on this, and I like to give Dan the details on what we missed in an abbreviated section. So what we missed, one, the boys and Armstrong find that Central Lab- Library and Dr. Marco's materials have been burned down uh, and in the time that were, they were off getting repaired. So very 
Hapistantial. Mm-hmm. Um, Library of Alexandria vibes, <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. I said. Uh, Lust and Gluttony are behind this attack, and Scar, they attack Scar, but he gets away before Lust says she wants to get back to Central to update Father, in quotes. The brothers and Armstrong are met by Ross and Brosh, the Dan and Jonathan of the show, um, and Armstrong is back to command. They take over the security detail. The gang finds a young woman named Sheska, who used to work at Central Library with a photographic memory, and is giving them all of Dr. Marco's notes disguised as recipes. So Dr. Marco had it all concealed in a recipe book, which Sheska remembers verbatim. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, they also get their job in Hughes's office. Uh, the brothers crack the code and are horrified to learn that the main ingredient for a Philosopher's Stone is ample human life. So the only way you can make one of these things is by sacrificing a shit ton of humans. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They're disgusted. They wonder why the military would fund this, and Armstrong gets this info and consoles the brothers. Truth within the truth is brought up again. Uh, We see that there are four alchemy labs in town to be investigated, and a mysterious fifth laboratory, which is off-limits and never used, because the prison was next door. Uh, The prisoners used were for secret, secret evil research, and the government involved is getting dangerous. The brothers snoop around 66 and 48. Two guards wait to ambush the brothers. I, and I like I like this aspect. Mm-hmm. I like this um, because it is getting into you know a lot of real world things that have happened with prisoners being mistreated. Like mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you the know prison it, system is not good, Dan. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's it's getting those. That's like getting into you know real world parallels that a lot of I mean not just anime but a lot of shows in general tend to not get into. Yes, um, like. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a ton. Like, I I know like Dead Man Wonderland and everything. Like, like mm-hmm. there's all there's all things that display like a fucked up prison system. But I it, mean, it's... we live in America. We would know the, <laughs> the you know exactly of an exploited it, prison system, wouldn't we? Exactly. But it's uh, you know it's I don't know. I like the intrigue here. There's a lot. Oh, there's tons of political you know, intrigue. I know I'd get damn with this. It feels like for every for every bit we get of information from the surface, it's like this entire iceberg beneath it. Yes. And I like that. I like the I like the big conspiracies. So yeah. So episode eight, the fifth laboratory, Al was attacked outside. He was too big to fit in a vent. So he couldn't go inside, Mm -hmm. and Ed advised him to wait uh, wait outside. By number 66, a sword-wielding guard who Dan remembered from his past. Yes, I saw saw him. (laughs) Inside the abandoned lab, Ed finds a transmutation circle in number 48. The pair have been ordered to dispose of anyone who may wander in. Both guards are hollow armor suits, just like Al. 48 and 66 are our prison numbers. 48 is Slicer, the mass murderer. And uh, he does show his blood seal before this happens. Yeah. Like, I am also a hollow. I'm a prisoner. I've been transmuted into this body. I love their designs, too. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah, you would, Dan. I, I'm just yeah. saying. No, 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 I'm just saying. I, I, this, this series would be good for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mustang receives a call from Hughes, doting on his daughter and wife, uh, <laughs> and drops Scar news that many bodies were discovered, but no Scar has been discovered as such. Ross and Brosh get tricked, and they head to the fifth laboratory. These were the two assigned to be the brothers' guards during mm-hmm. this time. Ed's shoulder is clunky with his new arm. Remember that Winry lost a screw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it adds to the tension. I li- and I like I like the little things like that. Like it makes yeah. sense. But, yeah. yeah, and Ed suggests ending things quickly. Al should be fine taking care of himself. Al discovers the suit of armor thing too. Number sixty six being Barry the Chopper, who was a butcher turned serial killer. Al is also a suit of armor, 
And Barry asks, like, are you a puppet created and controlled by your brother? This sends in Al into a crisis of identity, which will last for a few episodes. Understandably so, because it's like, are, are any of your memories real? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, he's like no. Yeah. Pinaco you know, and Winry are in on it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, you know, how, how do you know everything isn't like a false implant? So, yeah. so yeah. are you never really alive? Um, guard easily killed. So, like, Barry, like, tosses a knife into a guard and is like, look, I'm killing again. It doesn't matter because we're the actual ones who are alive. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. Um uh, kill therefore I am which I don't think is the quote but yes sure um, well that's how he knows he's him he's like, alive, uh, yeah. yeah like I, yeah. my instinct my killer instinct is still here I still love it so that's how I know I'm me mm-hmm. yeah Ed distracts and decapita- decapitates Slicer uh, doesn't in- destroy the blood seal though and then asks Slicer to tell him everything about it uh, unfortunately Slicer's body is still moving around and it turns out that this serial killer was two brothers independent head and body it's a good twist yeah uh, Dan like this and a fitting parallel so. um, Ed is losing blood so he knows he needs to end this fight quickly Ed is reminded of Scar and dismantles the body Slicer is bitten, beaten and Barry tells Al to break his blood seal just as Slicer is about to spill the beans Lust appears and destroys Slicer's brother's blood seal with envy so we'll get this uh, partnership between Lust and Envy as well, that they mm-hmm. function as two sides of the same coin. Uh, full Metal is one of our most important sacrifices, question mark? What could that ever mean, Dan? You're stating that again. That was, yeah. they keep saying that. And they will ruin the plan if these two were to end up dead in some way. Um, Ed asks, who are you people? Ed's arm malfunctions, and Ed's right so- shoulder... Uh, Ed's right shoulder is, of course, actually malfunctioning due to the A08 bolt, which Winry forgot to install. Okay. Um, just so you know. Uh, knocked out by Envy, allowed to live by Lust, and then they suggest burning this whole place down. Al thinks of Ed's unfinished statement about him from the last episode, and Al worries, because um, apparently Ed was going to deliver something about Al. Like, I'm worried about you because... And then he was like, well, I don't want to finish this right now. Mm -hmm. So he's worried that that sentence ended in, like, you're not a real person. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Al worries it could be the truth, that he is not real. Barry is shot by Ross and Brosh. The laboratory explodes. Ed is still inside. Barry flees. And Envy carries Ed out, disappears. Um, in the prison next door, Solf J. Kimbley recalls the Ishvalan War, so I would say put a reminder on Kimbley. Uh, of course. We'll show up. He's appeared in both of these episodes so far, mm-hmm. but uh, he's more important that he lets on. I like the tease. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of build. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time. I'm good with that. I'm yeah. always good with that. Um, we also get a post uh, script scene where um, Hughes is talking to Mustang with, like, scars in Central. You should come over here. Mm-hmm. And then Mustang is like, sure, well, maybe I guess I will. Is that where he's like, you need a wife? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what we missed, number two. Ed is chastised by Ross and Brosh for acting like a child. Some adults you could trust. Al is going through an exist- existential crisis thinking that he is not himself. Winry makes a service call to Central to repair Ed's arm with a missing screw. And then we get the Dan girlfriend, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, Ed hates milk. I think that's a running gag throughout it. Like, he's not growing big and strong because he's not drinking his milk okay yeah okay that's cute (laughs) yeah uh izumi and sig curtis the boys teachers are seen moving about in the background of this episode to hint at like some things going on further down the line Mm -hmm. uh, which the series often does ed and al are not under guard not much longer elisa hughes's daughter has a birthday 
Uh, Winry chats with Hughes. They know you care. So it's like a whole bonding moment between the Hughes, Winry, and the brothers Mm -hmm. to build up that Hughes relationship, which I told you to be weary about. You you did, and I was was rightfully concerned. (laughs) Uh, Ed wishes he was like Al without a body, and Al freaks the fuck out, saying, like, how dare you demand to wish such a thing? You don't know what it's like living without a body. I actually remember that scene. Mm -hmm. I must have seen, like like this batch of like parts of this batch on TV cuz i remember that scene with with uh with that confrontation between the two of them yeah. so so ed says he wouldn't lie to al and says that your real soul is in there i would never like do that to you does he explain what the problem he was he doesn't know exactly yet like they don't know why that equivalent exchange happened that way yet okay but he said he assures him like you are the real al in that body uh, but like what the thing that Ed was going to tell him was that he didn't know how... Oh, it was like, something different. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't that. Uh, Winry calls Al an idiot because Ed thinks Al resents him anyway. There's, like, this whole screen, uh, a scene where um, Ed is, like, crying. Like, I did that to my brother in the first place and he doesn't trust me. Mm-hmm. That Winry heard, like, while she was nursing the boys back from health mm-hmm. their first time. Um uh, they're all in this together. The brothers spar to relieve their tension. They're all in this together. Uh, Scar dreams of Ishval and a mysterious man who looks like Kimberly, hmm. hmm. who has the same tattoos, recovering with an old Ishvalan man and a young Ishvalan boy on the outskirts of Central. A few Ishvalian, uh, Ishvalan survivors in a slum outside Central. Right arm is a gift, a precious thing for Scar, which we'll get into more. Like, his right arm is a precious gift. Okay. So okay. we get this parallel between Ed and Scar having arms that are precious to them. And he, uh, Scar has a brother mentioned too, right? Yes, a brother. Yes, Dan. So episode 10, Separate Destinations, Mustang recalls the horrors of the Ishvalan Civil War. Uh, including his war crimes to protect those he loves. Hughes mentions to Mustang uh, that he should one day be the Fuhrer, but it's going to take a lot to get there. Maybe you can change this country for the better if you Mm -hmm. do get there. Ed tells Hughes and Armstrong about the events from the Fifth Laboratory. All their leads have dried up. Uh, Fuhrer King Bradley just strolls in and gives Ed a melon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just shows up. Uh, You wouldn't be committing treason, would you? (laughs) Like, it's really like... (laughs) Like, I don't know how to read Fuhrer King Bradley of the situation, but there might be something lurking beneath the surface there. Yeah, I would, ass- I would assume, but yeah. yeah. Uh, he demands that they tell him what you know about the Philosopher's Stone. Just kidding. Uh, Bradley is well aware of this gang snooping and wants to weed out the corruption going on their ranks. Bradley suggests forgetting all of this at once. Don't trust anyone, but just join me when the time is right. So that's like that's how uh, Bradley plays it. Off. Like that's how he plays off the, the laboratory thing. Like, yeah. oh, there are corrupt elements within our organization. Well, that we don't know if Bradley's good or bad yet. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying any. But it's like it seems like a it's like a politician move. Like, oh, there are elements within our yeah. organization that like are, don't spread this you know, word around. But yeah. when I make a move side with me yeah i like it i like the the chess pieces being <laughs> really <laughs> it's castlings uh and then he gets a comedic moment where he sneaks away and is like jumps out a window it's like oh well i was avoiding my security detail so we need to get through this winry barges in's like what happened well the hurricane just ran through mm-hmm. um which is very cute uh winry got ed and al some train t- tickets to visit dublin 
Not Dublin. Not Dublin. Ireland's not lucky enough to appear here. Not Ireland, but Dublith, to visit an old teacher, Uzumi. Winry wants to go with them to visit the Holy Land of Automail Engineering, uh, Rush Valley, which she does get a ticket for, Mm -hmm. you know, herself for. Next day, Hugh says goodbye to his family and goes to work. Tell the boys I said goodbye, Winry. I knew something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, my suspicions were confirmed. And the brothers and Winry's are Winry are off. Some training and info on the Philosopher's Stones. She is still unaware of this whole soul's mishap, though. Um, I don't know exactly what that meant. Like, she knows they're in suits, though. Mm, maybe she doesn't think they went as far as they did. I don't know. I don't know why I, I put that down, to be honest with you. Um, Winry is still unaware of. Maybe she's not aware. Unaware of. She's. I think she's unaware of like the whole philosopher's stone ish thing, mm-hmm. like how it uses souls and stuff, and that's what they're searching for. Okay. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Hughes reads about riots in Lior and elsewhere. Hughes piecing together a bigger mystery. Lush shows up, uh, in the like records room and primed to kill Hughes. Hughes is stabbed through the shoulder, and Lus gets a knife through the head, which is very gruesome for a kid's show. Um, unfortunately, Lust heals, and Hughes needs a telephone. He tries to get through to Mustang. However, uh, he says, like, forget that I'm here on his first telephone in, like, Central, mm-hmm. and goes to a private telephone booth elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, he is shown to have Ross pull a gun out on him. Which is a big deal, because that's one of his subordinates. Yes. Um, Or at least it looks like Ross. It turns out to be Envy, who uh, reveals that Hughes is too smart to live. He morphs into his wife and then kills Hughes. Mustang picks up on the other line and uh, hears this whole situation. This is a a draw in the series, which I think they should have just shown us Ross killing Hughes in the first place. uh, For a little more intrigue going on, instead of knowing that it was Envy outright. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I do think that that would have been superior. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know, because then if, if Hughes did the line about the mole, and we already saw that Envy was a shapeshifter from that priest thing, then mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know, it would have been still easy to piece together. But I mean, I, but I, it, it would have given us a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But yeah. I, I guess it was just like, oh, well, they already know that there's a shapeshifter on that side, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ouroboros gang clearly are not human. Hughes apologizes to his family and friends and dies. Yeah. R.I.P. Hughes. Killing him off in the 10th episode of 64, Dan! It's, it's impactful. It's a so. lot. Uh, Hughes' final words are exclusive to this version. He dies almost immediately without saying anything in the manga. While the 2003 anime, he has a flashback to the day where he devoted himself to aid Mustang's dream of becoming the Fuhrer once Mustang told him about it. Okay. So I think this works the best for Hughes as a mm-hmm. send-off. Uh, that he thinks about his family and child. Uh, the brothers and Winry eat some of Mrs. Hughes' apple pie unaware. And they will be so for a few episodes. Uh, but I I think that that fits, like, you know, especially for, like, this, this pseudo-time period that it's in. That, like, all of, you know, the dramatic irony of all these, like, these characters can't, you know, can't yeah. or won't get in touch with each other about these things. So mm-hmm. there is drama unfolding in multiple spheres so we've got to thank him dan (laughs) uh hughes's military funerals then showed where everybody's sad including fuhrer bradley which you'll notice he was also crying so there's something going on there uh very sad promotion mustang mourns 
And he suggests that alchemists are the worst. It's a terrible day for rain. We get a, a Dan Ryan, Jonathan Kwiatkowski <laughs> conversation where Dan is crying. And I go, but Dan, why are you crying? And he goes, no, well, it's a terrible day for rain. And I go, well, yes, it is, of course. Um, the Elric brothers were here looking for the Philosopher's Stone. Mustang reads into Armstrong. So Armstrong approaches Mustang and is like, he can't directly say why any of this is happening, but he leaves some vague hints uh, to Colonel Mustang. Okay, because Armstrong is 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 he's uh, higher up. Okay, but he suggests that he knows more than he's allowed to say to Mustang, okay. but he can't directly say. Okay, um, Armstrong suggests a group of people who are further above Mustang planning this a conspiracy. Links to the Elric brothers, and Mustang is going to get to the bottom of this, and Hawkeye will come along with him mm-hmm. for the ride. Uh, well, we miss three. Ed, Alan, Winry arrive in Rush Valley, the Holy Land of Autumnal. Uh, Winry's automail is greatly appreciated. Ed, Ed's watch is pickpocketed by Panina, who we'll meet again. Okay. The character Panina. Uh, they chase her down. She's got a blade and cannon leg. Panina lives with the engineer, engineer Dominic, his son Rydell, and daughter-in-law Stella. Dominic gives Winry some pointers. Winry asks to be his apprentice. Stella is having a baby soon, and the brothers marvel at life. Panina was orphaned and crippled as a youth until she met Dominic. Um, and there she suggested that she wouldn't steal and would work to pay him back for, like, rescuing her as a young child. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 pocket watch engraving. The boys watch uh, a sealed shot. And inside is the date, don't forget, October 3rd, 11. Ed's mission and reminder. Uh, the day they left home on their journey and burned down their house. And then it turns out, like, this baby is coming. The gang has to deliver a baby without a doctor. Winry takes charge. Ed and Al stand by as instructed. Maybe God can help us. The baby is born. Life sure is awesome. And then mentions the engraving. So Winry had previously opened this um, pocket watch against the wishes of the brothers and discovered that engraving. Mm -hmm. But now she understands what it means to them. And okay. feels bad about it, so she apologizes to them. It explains to Winry, uh, was inspired by, uh, you know, the brothers' resolve, and Dominic takes Winry as an apprentice, apprentice, and the boys continue their journey. So she stays in Rush Valley, perfecting automail, cool. while the boys journey on to meet their teacher once more. Right. Uh, episode 12, one is all, all is one. Ed flashes back to a memory of their father on the train to Dublith. My mysterious bad dad. Yeah, yeah, or me, so yeah. Dan says. Wink, wink. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm so. I don't know. I'm so used to bad glasses, dads. <laughs> yeah. So they arrive, meeting their teacher's husband, Sig. And Izumi is not doing well, but she is well enough to send a flying kick at Ed. She is happy to see Al, but then throws him. Izumi is coughing up blood constantly. Uh, one man from Central showed up previously to uh, discuss alchemy with Izumi. It turns out to be Hohenheim, who knew about the stone, and the boys react, this is our father. Mm-hmm. He left us, he's a bastard. We don't like him, but mm-hmm. he showed up to talk to you nonetheless. Um, this is all his fault, and they remember the day that Hohenheim walked out on them, the boy's mother could seal the truth from them, unexpectedly died, and Hohenheim mentioned a lifelong dream coming true when speaking of the Philosopher's Stone. The miracle of birth, uh, and then we, like, they, they're all in this discussion about philosophy and, uh, um, um, oh my gosh, uh, transmuting things. Yes. Alchemy. And clearly Uzumi can't have children because she remembers that as well. Yes. Um, 
Scenes from the Elric's childhood, Izumi being a top-notch alchemist saving slash helping people. And when she does on one occasion, the brothers come up to her and ask, Can you be our teacher? Izumi couldn't say no to two orphans, which this random no-name character comes up and is like, Well, ma'am, they're actually orphans, so... You'd be doing us a favor to take us out of your hands. But I always do like what we see of Ed and Al's hometown. Like, they seem to all be, Well, that's like, not their collectively... hometown. They're on a journey. Oh, yeah, okay. They're, they're on a like, journey. They're okay. viewing the world okay. right now. Okay. This is after they burn down their house. Uh, oh, no, before they burn down their house, because they have their limbs still. Yeah, and yeah. They, they haven't learned from her, so I assumed it was... Yeah. Like, no, it's before, yeah. but I think they did, like, a little spiritual journey. Okay. Nonetheless, before then. Um, so Izumi sticks the two boys on Yawk Island and says, this will be your preliminary training. Uh, you have just a knife and you're not allowed to use alchemy. The boys must survive for a month and understand the saying, one is all, all is one. Uh, Izumi is teaching them the same way she learned and Sig worries about them nonetheless mm-hmm. because Izumi had a harsh upbringing. Uh, the boys are at first too timid to kill animals, to eat, uh, a fox beats them to a uh, rabbit to feed its young. They struggle to catch fish, make fire. Ed hallucinates and tries to eat his elder, his younger brother, which I would do to Dan. I would eat him immediately on that island. Yeah. It I would mean, take be, probably two days. I think. We're not. Yeah. Uh, we're I'd not, be very hungry. We're not wilderness equipped, yeah. you and I. So yeah. <laughs> but then Ed realizes that he's alive because he eats ants. Alive because we consume life, and the brothers find their resolve. Uh, have we figured out one is all, all is one after a month passes and they finally like get to terms with ending life to reinstate their own lives again? Because it's all like a continuous flow of energy, yeah. which isn't stated, but I'm assuming that's the vibe. Yeah. That, uh... It's very circle of life and death in everything. All things are connected. The flow of the universe. We are only one small part in it. In this episode, the path Edward takes to understanding one is all, all is one uh, is different from that in the corresponding manga chapters, with the exclusion of Mason and his involvement in their training. Who is that major character that was like, he's important in the manga, and he mm-hmm. shows up later in the notes. It's like the protege for Izumi and Curtis as well. Okay. That works for them at the butcher shop. He gets one scene in the show, but he's very important in the manga okay. slash anime. Um, Edward learns by first eating ants to survive, rather than realizing that they will eat him if he dies. Uh, Izumi and Sig arrive and the boys share their theory. Izumi accepts and trains the boys. The circulation of power, transmission circles, Izumi doesn't need one. She is her own matrix, something you will learn when you see the truth. So, like, they go, like, teacher, you can transmute without a circle as well. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't reveal exactly why that happens in the first place. Um, uh, Both of us are beyond hope. Um, we see that Izumi sp- uh, surprise spars with Ed, and she knows that she sees that like the brothers know the truth now. Yeah, they've given up parts of their body, and um, Al is in a full suit of armor. Yeah, and Ed can transmutate without yeah a circle. So yeah, um, inner organs. So uh, we learn that Izumi tried to bring her chi- a dead child back to life, and in equivalent exchange. Her womb slash parts of her inner organs were taken in exchange for this, and Dan mm-hmm. went oh. No, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, I I don't know it's one of those just gut punch scenes. It, I mean, it's you know it's coming, you know what she's doing, but it's like mm. it, I you it's know a lot. it doesn't hold back. Yeah, uh, this episode displays Izumi's attempted human transmutation from a wider angle from the manga, revealing that her circle had been an identical design to that which Ed had created, albeit using different runes and places. 
Um, she also should have told you both. So she's like, I should have told you that I did this in the first place. It's fine, but we're looking forward to solving this mystery together. Um, she does refer to the boys as my darling little idiots. It's okay to hurt. And then everyone grieves over their loss. Uh, everybody cries, and then we get another flashback to the boys on Yawk Island, understanding alchemy slash living is deconstructing, reconstructing life. Yes. So that's how this episode ends. And then episode 13, Beast of Dublith. Izumi, impressed by Ed and Al, have, both of them have made it through the gate and understand the truth, expels them both. She says, you can no longer work with me because you've seen the truth. Yes. Um, nothing else she could teach them. The boys thank her, and Sig gives the boys a scolding, saying that they're equals now to Izumi, that's why she refers to them as their full names, and why they shouldn't refer to her as teacher anymore. They head back, and suggest that we need your help anyway. Al didn't see the truth, we need his memory back, because he paid the toll when his whole physical body went through the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't understand what happened. So so the prompt here is to like to help him remember that. Yeah. Well, the prompt is pay this troll toll to get into this boy's soul, Dan. It, it, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get my cat eyes yeah. in, so. <laughs> but Al wants to do it. Izumi knows someone who could help them in potentially getting their memory back. And outside, a lizard man by the name of Bido appears. <laughs> At East Central Command, Mustang plays chess with his mentor, General Grumman. Grumman allows Mustang to transfer his staff of Hawkeye, Havoc, Breda, Fallman, and Fury to the capital. Uh, Grumman's line about Roy taking his granddaughter as a bride is admitted from this episode. So Grumman, while being a teacher, wanted to get his daughter married to Mustang in the mm-hmm. first place to kind of, you know, continue that line down. Yes. And he thinks that Mustang is a good person. Havoc uh, um, started dating someone, Dumper. So it's important that one of Mustang's... Um, lowers dates a lot mm-hmm. that i only mentioned that for a reason remember that havoc is the the woman not a womanizer but like the the person who dates a lot of the group okay okay i can remember that uh scar is training uh when he should be healing scar's master who he's living with this master and this boy uh, speaks with him about ending the cycle of violence and we meet uh, mr yoki um who like leads some bounty hunters to scar Yoki is low in ranks, and he's his main character draws that he's set on beating Edward Alric for putting him in this situation, which it, we don't know more about at we, this point. We do okay. We don't. No. And he, by lower rank, you mean he's yeah. a he's a state alchemist, or I I think he might have fought. I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. It hasn't caught up, but Yoki is he wants revenge against the Elric brothers okay. for some reason, especially Ed. Uh, Scar murders these bounty hunters and leaves Yoki alive and uh, gives a mention of Scar's brother and his arm being important. Mm -hmm. And we see that, um, I do like how Scar is portrayed in this one episode. He's like, well, I'll give you a moment to pray to your God Mm -hmm. and then I'll kill you anyway. So he's very religious at that. And there's uh, greater motives, which we'll get into the next episode of Full Metal uh, Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Anyway, it was not a mistake edition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Al is thrown a note while sweeping up and meets a gang of toughs at a shady bar, <laughs> the Devil's Nest. Uh, this one guy, or these people talking to him, are Dulcetto, Roa, and Martel. Uh, they want to. Th- they advise Al to think for himself, and I decide that I should just make you tell you what I want to know. Yeah. So I'll just like kick some. Yeah. He kicks the he's dog a big suit guy of armor, in the face. Yeah. 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 Uh, Martel hops into Al's body, uh, subduing him, and then Roa further knocks him out. 
And they reveal that they are chimeras that work for a boss going by the name of Greed. And mm-hmm. chimeras being part animal, part human people. And, well, yeah, and Al... I, I mean, the next part, Al points out that that is supposed to be impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't make successful chimeras. Yes. Uh, but... uh, back at the hideout, Al thinks of Nina and Alexander, who you remember as from the depressing episode. Where they were part animal, part person. Of course. Uh, no chim- And they're like no chimeras that he's seen before because they actually they act like actual humans. Uh, part human, part animals. It's not so bad. And they reveal that the military is behind this. Greed, who is the leader, is a homuncul- homunculus as artificially created by humans. Uh, compared to the original manga, Greed's Ouroboros tattoo is upside down. So... Furthermore to think about, but he does have an Ouroboros tattoo to identify him with Lust, Envy, and Gluttony, who Mm -hmm. we've seen so far. Uh, So Lust, Envy, and Gluttony, uh, Greed proves this by being killed and regenerating. He says that he doesn't have much of a connection with them, though. He kind of fell out of terms with them. Yes. Um, But his head is destroyed. Uh, Al is like, why did you do that? And his head regenerates in a second. Um, Greed... Uh, wants to hear about Al's body and soul, immortality. He craves eternal life despite having it because his body can d- be destroyed, so he wants immortality proper. Yes, like, and it says like he's been alive for like 200 years yeah. at this point, but he's not technically immortal. Yeah. So. Al says he can't reveal this information because he doesn't exactly remember. Ask my brother. And uh, meanwhile, his brother is like, where did that seven foot tall suit of armor run off to yeah. while sweeping? And, and the lizard wizard tries yeah, Beto to... Beto is like, well, I'll tell you, but he gets beat up immediately. Yeah. Um, Ed, in an abbreviated sequence, shows up and is informed about Greed's backstory. Greed doesn't gel well with the other homunculi. Greed will teach them about homunculi um, for transmuting a soul. I don't know what I... Like, yeah, Greed wants to know how to transmute a soul, and then yeah. if they give him that, then he'll, like, explain everything about homunculi. Mm-hmm. So. Ed and Al are pissed at this because Greed is like, well, you have the perfect body. You don't need to eat. You don't need to piss. You don't need to drink yes. or sleep. Like, that's all I ever want. But Ed gets really pissed off at this mm-hmm. and says, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, when they're fighting, Al is carried off and Ed fights Greed. Greed has the ability of creating a strong material over his body, creating, in quotes, the ultimate shield, and possesses advanced healing as well. Mm -hmm. So every strike he gets, he can just heal back, and the other strikes are just able to be blocked instantly. So is that kind of be, is that supposed to be like tropey and and symbolic? Yes, because it comes up, it comes up in our next batch of episodes. Remember that he's called the ultimate shield. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's good you noticed. Uh, Greed covers his whole body. Um, this would make him in, um, unbeatable when compared to um, Ed. But Izumi, Sig, and Mason show up and... Well, no, Izumi shows up, but she's informed by Sig and Mason. Mm-hmm. Sig is her husband and Mason is that one dude who's far more important in the manga that the kids went off. Mason makes his first appearance with a small cameo in this episode, but it's far too brief to allow viewers to infer his role without prior knowledge of the character. So I think he will be more important in future Mm -hmm. um, that he only gets this one line. Uh, Ed is beaten, but doesn't stop. Ed had enough time to think and transmutes Greed's body into carbon to make him hittable. Well, it is carbon. Like, the yeah. shield is supposed yeah. to is carbon. So he's like, oh, it, that's all I need to realize. Yeah. So. 
Um, so he's hittable, and then he realizes that Greed can harden and heal at the same time. Izumi storms in. She knows Greed is a humunculus because she heard them all talking about in the hallway. And Greed asks, who are you? And Izumi says, well, I'm a housewife. Yes. And that's where we'll leave off. We have one more episode of part one to cover mm -hmm. next episode, but then we'll be getting into part two. But that's a good cliffhanger nonetheless. Yeah. Dan, what did you think of these five episodes that we watched? Again, I'm loving it. I'm loving the momentum. I'm loving the intrigue. Uh, I Every time we do these, I'm I'm very excited to always come back and, and keep going. Because mm. I, I, I do not know the ins and the outs, aside from, like, pop culture osmosis and shit that the internet has ruined mm -hmm. for me. Uh, other than that, I, I don't know. Oh, we're I, going I, on I'm, some twists I'm, then. Yeah, yeah. This is early work still. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, uh, yeah. even with that in mind, with the amount that they're still left to cover, I'm, I'm excited. Always excited. I like these episodes. Um, the fans may think that I'm skipping over the Winry episodes, but I'm doing that for a reason. Uh, she's getting more character development coming up soon. Mm -hmm. A few episodes that I wouldn't skip. I just have to make this, you know, brief enough of to be contained within 12 episodes or so. So we don't feel long-winded at that point. Yes. Yeah. But um, anyways, that's a quick... Um, end of the episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake. Daniel, dear, do you have anywhere where our audience can find us on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at King underscore Danis. We'll have some more Pokemon art coming. artwork. Yeah, we'll have we'll have all that coming your way soon. Um, and uh, our Jason Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast account and our Facebook page of the same name. Mm, delicious. In jail. Yes. Yeah, in jail. Uh, you can find me, Jonathan Borkowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram and the TikTok. And you can follow my other Instagram at Drink and Read Pod. I don't even know. Drink and Read on Twitter. I don't I don't know where I am. Uh, but you can follow me at Drink and Read, uh, my other podcast where I'm currently reading Dune, which is fun. Yeah. I do like Dune. The spice and is flowing. You're enjoying it. Uh... Yes. I, I mean, I, I just recently finished it, but mm -hmm. we're halfway through the novel at this point. And if your spice is strong, then please join and listen to drink and read the podcast. And then if you like me and my commentary, you can follow uh, Nightcaps at the Theater, where me and a couple friends get drizzy drunk and watch a couple movies. I'll lie this sends the anime. <laughs> so if that's the kind of vibe you want to go for, go for that. But Dan... What are we doing next week for our 100th and 51st episode? Um, yes. Uh, the anime was not a mistake. Legends uh, section is continuing. Uh, we will be returning to our normal, um, uh, you know, Full Metal Alchemist slash Demon Slayer lineup. But in, you know, uh, we never know. We never know how life is going to go. So we like <laughs> to celebrate the things that we can while we yes. can. Um, so... In celebration of our 151st episode, uh, I thought it would be fitting, because I've hyped it up a lot, we will be watching Pokemon, the movie, uh, Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. One of my faves. Uh, starring 151, uh, you know, so I figured that would be a good little tie-in. This is a, it's a, I think this is a quality movie. I would be of mind... Uh, we try him for a guest. He hasn't gone back to us yet. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see. But if yeah. not, we have other things for him to do yes. that I think he wants to... Uh, he he yeah. wants to be here when the Onion Fairy is of course. Uh, showcased. Um, but we figured we would showcase that. Uh, in my mind and in the minds of many fans or anime fans in general online, this is probably the best Pokemon movie. I'll agree on um, that, Dan. For once, you'll get me agreeing on Pokemon with you. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited to get into it. It and uh, you know, get I'm your chocolate do bars do. ready. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> do the <original. laughs> yeah. yeah so my favorite taunts in pokemon history we're gonna have a lot of that going so uh put Delicious. on put on your renfair outfit get some chocolate and we hope you'll join us then Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weave horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast, or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to-be-continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. Lost.